Hello, happy people, and welcome to Office ADHD. Hey, hey, everybody. I hope you are having a fabulous day. Welcome back to Office ADHD. I hope that you guys have been enjoying the amazing interviews that have been going on. And just spoiler alert, upcoming are some more awesome interviews. I am super excited for them to come out. It's one of those things where I have to remind myself that I I need to keep my schedule, that I need to keep posting every Friday. Otherwise, you guys would just all of a sudden get, look, all of these interviews all at once and then have nothing for a couple months. So I'm staying focused on staying organized. Look at me go. You guys can do it too. And actually, that's some of the interviews coming up. We're going to be talking about organization and different things. But I wanted to stop and cover this awesome article that I'd found on the, I'm not sure how they say it. I don't know if they call it Attitude Magazine or ADD-itude Magazine, but they use ADD to spell attitude, which is pretty clever. Anyway, it's an amazing magazine and they have some really awesome articles. They have some just phenomenal guest bloggers on there. So a great resource to go look for more information about ADD and ADHD. And I came across this article that talked about these three defining features of ADHD that everyone overlooks. The article is written by William Dodson. He says he's an MD and an LFAPA. I'm not sure what an LFAPA is, but now I'm going to have to look that up. And especially after our last interview with Evan, where he talked about looking up all the different letters people put down so that we know what they mean. I also, I wanted to talk about these things to make sure that we all have a base understanding of them because some of these these topics are going to come up in some of the later interviews that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. And I wanted to make sure that everybody's at the same place of understanding. Now, as we talk about these items, I just want everyone to understand that for one thing, ADD, ADHD, it expresses itself slightly differently in everybody. Yes, as you'll notice when we're when I have conversations with people with ADHD, I'm sure you guys are just like, ah, oh, yes, this is my conversation style. <gasps> if only we could all get in the same room and hang out like at that conference that we talked about last week. And so there are parts of this that are going to really resonate with you. And some of it might resonate with you just slightly less, or it might resonate with you in just a little bit different way than it does with another person with ADHD. So just know that going in as we talk about these things today. Okay. So the three topics, and this is, these are his terms for them is one, an interest based nervous system, two, emotional hyper arousal, and three, rejection sensitivity. So we're going to talk about those three things today. Ooh, and before I forget, because my mind just jumped back to this, make sure you're checking out the links in this episode description so that one, you can find this article, but two, I've been putting in some awesome links for things that I've been producing on the websites that you may want to check out. Here we go. Okay, let's start talking about the first one. Okay, let's talk about this interest-based ADHD nervous system. So this is something that we're going to cover multiple times. This is something you I'm sure have noticed and we've, we've talked about a little bit. This is basically where our ability to hyperfocus comes in. It's the fact that our attention isn't really, it isn't really an attention deficit disorder so much as it is an attention um, regulation disorder or, you know, it's, 
it is an attention disorder. It's just more that we have a hard time regulating our attention. We will suddenly, anything that you are especially interested in, that is where our time blindness definitely comes in. Anything you're especially interested in, you can hone in on that and you will be doing it. And all of a sudden you'll say, oh my gosh, I thought it was five minutes and it's been five hours. I mean, that's where like, I know for me, I really like video games. And if I'm not watching myself, I can start a video game and then be like, oh, how long have I been playing? That's something too that tends to frustrate those around us sometimes when they don't understand that we have ADHD and can even frustrate ourselves before we truly understand it is how come you can focus so much on this for so long, but then I need you to do this one thing and you just can't seem to do it? It's because we have a very hard time prioritizing things that do not strike our interest. If you can turn it into something that does strike your interest, that's something too we'll continue to talk about and something that we're going to keep bringing up ideas on. And so today I'm just scratching the surface on these ideas. I just want you to know that we're going to be bringing in some of these ideas on a deeper level. If you can look at your method of organization and say to yourself, okay, this was made for somebody that doesn't have ADHD. How can I adapt this? How can I make this playbook work for me? How can I say, all right, I am not going to do a list of chores, but I might continue down a list of adventures. I may not want to clean the fridge, but I might attack the goblins of mold that have been growing inside the castle of refrigerator, you know, things like that, that if you can reframe things in your own mind, even if it sounds like the dumbest thing ever to somebody else, then you can focus on it. Then you can make it a part of what you're doing. If you like music, if you can turn it into a song as you're going. In fact, that's one of the things that I do to keep myself from getting distracted sometimes is I'll start singing, I'm looking for my shoes. I'm looking for my shoes. I'm not going to forget. I'm looking for my shoes, you know, until I find my shoes. Otherwise, I'm looking for my shoes and suddenly I find everything else in my house, but not my shoes. And I even forgot what I was looking for. And then I'm suddenly like, oh, wait, I need to go outside anyway. So again, it's to remember that you're not a bad person. It's not. It's just that this is literally the way you are wired. You want to work on something that interests your brain, that pulls your brain. If you look at that sheet of math problems and you know you just have to go through it one, two, three, four, you may not be able to do that. But if you say, ooh, can I do it in a happy face pattern? Can I do it in this pattern? Then, you know, do something that makes it interesting to you. Okay, number two, let's talk a little bit about emotional hyperarousal. And this one, I feel like I need to do a little bit more extra study on just to completely understand the chemicals that are going on for you guys. But I want to give you just a little bit of an idea of what it feels like because I know you've felt it, I've felt it. Uh, hyperactivity part of ADHD mostly manifest doesn't manifest in everybody because not everybody has that portion of the symptoms. But it also mostly people that have hyperactivity as children, they learn to manage it by the time they're adults. And the thing is that we 
all have it more on an emotional level than we do on a physical level sometimes. So how that manifests is sometimes not being able to turn our brain off at night or getting a really intense focused idea that we can't get out of our head that we just oh we're so excited about and we just have to focus on that idea and our brain keeps coming back to it or you know feelings of just not being able to be in a moment not being able to just sit and watch tv without doing five other things those sorts of things are kind of this emotional hyperarousal the the biggest part of it is that our highs tend to be higher than other people and our lows tend to be lower than other people we tend to really intensely feel our emotions this is how a lot of people with adhd will get misdiagnosed as having a mood disorder ADHD gets misdiagnosed as a lot of things, but a mood disorder is very common, especially people think we're bipolar because especially because one, we are not averse to risk. We are risk takers. And so we will hit a mode that looks very manic, but <laughs> it's it's generally fairly short lived as far as we feel that emotion and we feel that high, we feel that low, but we don't always stay there forever. There are certain exceptions to this rule. So, for example, as children, many times we knew we were different. We felt different. We couldn't understand why we couldn't do things the same as other people. And so we internalized a shame and feelings of guilt and feelings of unworthiness and low self-esteem. Not everybody did, but a lot of us, that kind of that feeling just gets buried deep inside. And that characterizes a lot of people with ADHD not understanding that we just couldn't see the world the same way and that people didn't understand. And we have an ability to mask our emotions. People don't understand our emotions when we're small. They think that it's strange that we all of a sudden are so sad or we're so happy or we're so whatever intense feeling we're feeling angry about whatever situation is going on that it shocks the people around us. So we learn to tone that down, even though we still feel it all inside. That's something that it's okay to accept, to say that I am somebody that is not bland chili. I am spicy chili. I <laughs> am going to accept the fact that I feel these emotions. And the more you suppress your emotions, the, the more difficult your life is going to be, the more you're going to have struggles, the more you're going to feel you know, your physical symptoms will come from that kind of behavior. And obviously we need to find appropriate ways to express these emotions and to bring them out. That's one of the great things about our creativity and our abilities to, to create items like songs or poetry or writing books or doing all of these other pursuits, dancing, anything that you do that's creative. Even if it's in your business, you create a cool website anything like that that can help you express those emotions and help you to live those emotions is a great thing and to realize that you are good that is honestly one of the main purposes behind this podcast behind my business behind everything i'm trying to do with office adhd is help people with adhd and even help others out there that are struggling with other disabilities or just even other issues, realize that you can be a good person when you're struggling. You can still, being perfect isn't the thing. Like being you is good enough. 
and that being where you are is an amazing thing. And one of the things too, to help with emotional arousal and just people dealing with these things is I hope that you guys can feel how sincere I am with that. One of the things about ADHD is that we're actually fairly good lie detectors. It's not that nobody can lie to us, but we have a really good intuition. When you're having a conversation with somebody, you notice little eye twitches, you notice little ear twitches, you notice the way they move and stand and not consciously. You're not sitting there looking at it. Well, you might be, but (laughs) overall, you have a very good unconscious intuition about a situation. And if, if you learn to trust that, you can generally tell when somebody is sincere and when they aren't. And so we need to surround ourselves with people that are going to give us sincere compliments and sincere feedback about our lives so that we feel secure and so that we feel like we can trust that and we can trust ourselves and trust our lives. And that's somebody that you should seek out in your life is an honest cheerleader, somebody who can be completely honest with you that, yeah, this is something you struggle with, but you know what? You really worked hard at that. And there's obviously something going on that blocks you from being able to do that in the way that people think it should be done. So you, let's let's just not do it that way. Let's just find a way that works for you, okay? That's that's kind of what we need to do with our emotional hyperarousal is say, hey, you know what? We are great. We're going to go be the spicy chili. We're going to be the tie-dye bright colors that brighten everybody's day and brighten everybody's life. Nope, we're not going to be the bland cereal. We're Fruit Loops. Now let's talk about the last one, number three, rejection sensitivity or rejection sensitivity dysphoria. What it is, is basically the fact that for someone with ADHD or ADD, it's this, when you are, when you perceive that you have been rejected, teased, criticized by someone that is important to you, and this someone can be yourself, actually. It can be a sense of falling short of what you meant to do. Uh, It can be a sense of not measuring up. This to us, and this was something, I'll be honest, when I first read this, was like, oh, I didn't realize that other people don't experience this the same way. And it, it ties in with what we were talking about before that our highs are higher and our lows are lower. When we feel that sense of rejection, often it feels like a very physical response. Um, It can feel like a gut punch or like a knife wound almost, or it just, it's a very strong, very overwhelming response to rejection. Um, there's just, there's hard, it's hard to find the words. I know for me, sometimes it almost feels like in those movies where all of a sudden the person is, you know, frozen and the room kind of just goes bigger and black away from them and kind of the room zooms out without the person zooming out, I guess, kind of, it's just like, or just like a breath where you stop in time. And I mean, there's just different ways to try and explain it and try and put words to it. But that real feeling of, oh, you don't love me. I'm rejected. Or this, I'm not good enough. That is a very real feeling for a lot of people with ADHD. 
And it's something we hide from the world. It's not something we like to talk about. It's not something we like to bring up because for one thing, I mean, I know for a long time, I wasn't aware that it was an ADHD symptom. And for another thing, we are often criticized for having the feelings of being criticized. If you think about it, when you, when a lot of children, when they cry, people tease them for having crocodile tears or for, you know, why are you getting so upset over nothing that, you know, for me, since I, I know this and and I've felt this as a child or even just even as an adult or different times, anytime I see someone being sad, even if I think it's for a ridiculous reason, you know, they're sad. We comfort them. You can try and make them laugh about it and stuff too. But, you know, to, to help them own that feeling that it's okay, that they don't have to always hide all of their emotions because that's something that we get really good at uh, with ADHD because we don't want people to know that this is a vulnerability. We don't want people to know that they can cause that kind of emotion inside of us. That is kind of, that is what the rejection sensitivity is. Now, there is one part of the article that I strongly disagree with, and I will, and I'll I'll tell you what it is. I'll I'll read it to you, and then I'll tell you why I disagree with it. It says that, um, let's see, the RSDs, that's what he is abbreviating the rejection sensitivity dysphoria says is the most impairing aspect of their ADHD in part because it does not respond to therapy. Now that is a statement that I very much highly disagree with that we respond to therapy. I very much, if you look into neuroplasticity is something that I highly recommend you guys look up and Google. We're going to talk about it more and I'll find some experts on it to really go into it more, but our brains can adapt and our brains can grow. And it's not that the rejection just, you know, sensitivity is going to go away, but we can learn to deal with it. We can learn to reframe situations because what it is, is it's when we perceive it as rejection. It's when we perceive these thoughts and emotions and when we can stop and reframe the situation and say, that person didn't mean it that way. They would never have said that if they knew what it would make me feel like. That person was saying something that was more about them and not something that was about me. That therapy does help with this. And going to coaching helps with this. There are a lot of things that can help you. A lot of mindset books, a lot of different things that can really, really help you with this rejection sensitivity. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily make it so that it doesn't happen or that it's not a, you know, chemically physical part of your brain, but it does respond to therapy in the fact that you respond to therapy and you are capable of change and you are capable of growing. You are capable of looking at the world and understanding the weaknesses that you have and then moving forward in growth. That you are capable of understanding that this is just part of your ADHD. Like if you go back to the interview um, a couple weeks ago with John Brink, where he was talking about having completed so many amazing things and still feeling like a failure until he understood that that was just part of ADHD. Then we can tell ourselves those things too. We can stop and say, 
hold on, ADHD monster in my brain. You're just trying to tell me that I'm not accomplished because I haven't done everything that absolutely everyone on earth has accomplished. Let me go ahead and step back and let me check off some of the boxes of things that I did do today. Let me check off some of the boxes of things I've done this week. And let me be okay with the fact that some days I am not going to get that much done. Some days I need to recharge and that's okay too. I think that that's one of the takeaways that I would... I would really strongly suggest you take from this article is understanding that there really is more going on in your brain than you understand. That there are a lot that well, I know than I understood at first, and that this coming here to this podcast, you know, seeking out books, finding experts, reaching out for all sorts of different help. This is a great thing. This is personal growth at its best, and you really should be seeking for more knowledge because once you know, you are capable of using that knowledge for growth. Anytime somebody says that, oh, this just doesn't respond, oh, there's no treatment, I don't believe them. There is a way. There's always a way to at least better your situation. And for ADHD, we can unlock our superpowers. We can learn how to handle these things that are difficult in our lives. And we can learn to step forward into the light and learn to make our lives beautiful and learn to make our lives something amazing and fulfill our dreams because we are awesome. And I hope you guys have an amazing day out there and give yourself a really big hug. It actually feels really good. Talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about anything we talked about today, head over to officeadhd.com. Remember to like, subscribe, and share. And have a great day. We'll see you next time.